Wars. Before we start the program, I want to make sure everyone understands that we often talk about OSHA and EPA citations, along with some other regulatory actions from other agencies, legal cases, and criminal activity. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Proposed fines are exactly that, and they are often litigated, reduced, or vacated. We use available public records, news accounts, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share, since we are not directly involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. So, uh, today is June 6th, 2023. This is the anniversary of D-Day. We are going to start out with a moment of silence for all the lives lost on D-Day. We are going to be playing the Star Spangled Banner and the uh, National Anthem from uh, Great Britain. Also, in this country, it's uh, the tune My Country Tis of Thee is more familiar, known is more familiar to most of our listeners. So here we go. Moment of silence. Oh, sorry, guys. Now on to our regularly scheduled program. Thank you for the moment of silence there. And welcome to Safety Wars from the border of liberty and prosperity and the highway to the north, right here in beautiful Clarkstown, New York. We had some computer issues today, some growing pains and everything else, so we are on much later. How's everybody doing tonight? I tell you what, uh, we're going to have this story here. Let me see if I can pull it up right away. This was the talk of the town. Today. 
Everybody was talking about it in town. What was that? You have those uh, forest fires up there in Quebec. Uh, you know, all the way up north up there. And it's... Let's see the story here. So anyway, we've had these uh, uh, forest fires up in Canada. And as you know, Clarkstown, New York, if you're a regular listener, is right outside New York City in Rockland County. And uh, here is the story right from the New York Times. The air quality index explains what it means and how to stay safe. Hundreds of wildfires across Canada are polluting the air. Those darn Canadians. I'm only joking. I'm only joking. Hundreds of wildfires across Canada are polluting the air, making it hazardous for residents to venture outside. Uh, leading to air quality alerts in parts of New York, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Vermont, and Minnesota. And I'll add New Jersey. So, uh, somewhere around, I guess it was 10, 10.30 a.m. this morning, I go outside. And what do you know? It's all very hazy. It's very dark. And it's like eerie. It was almost like someone described it as the clouds came down to the ground level. And then the smell came of burning wood. Then the sun was blocked out. And it was orange. And then you, one minute you see the sun, the next minute you don't see the sun. And that's how it was today. Uh, I, you know, It's hard to believe that uh, fires from... Uh, from about 400 miles away could impact you that much. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it never ceases to uh, surprise me or amaze me, Mother Nature's uh, wrath here, uh, for lack of a better word. Uh, a lot of activities tomorrow are, cool, are stopped, uh, uh, the outdoor activities for the local school district here and everything. Uh, so uh, my kids participate in field day, for the uh, uh, with their schools, right? A day of fun and games outside in the sun. Well, they don't want to send anybody out there into the smoke, right? Uh, let's uh, remember the people up in Canada that are impacted more directly than we are down here with this. And uh, I hope things work out for them. So, uh, we're going to get into a little bit of politics here because it's now because I have some commentary here on safety issues here, uh, immediate ones over here in New York City. And I wanted to point them out. Adams floats the ideas of New Yorkers, that's Mayor Adams, of housing migrants in private residence. So as we know, New York City is a uh, uh, sanctuary city for migrant for migrants illegal aliens as they're legally called and whatever uh, you want to call them immigrants uh, what have you they're human beings that deserve some respect right made in the image of God so he wants to say hey float the idea why don't we put them in private residences so let's say that you have room in your residence to house one of these individuals I think we're asking for problems here 
most of these people are peaceful looking for a better life, but some of them are not peaceful and are looking for a better life nonetheless. Their version of a better life. Do we really want, how, how would you feel uh, there where you're going to be putting people into your private residence? I, I mean, we, believe it or not, we do have an amendment to the Constitution when it talks about quartering troops in residence. So uh, one of the issues around the Revolutionary War was when a, uh, the British Army would come into town, they'd take over homes. And you'd have to, you know, if you were there, you had to give it to them. And uh, now the Third Amendment is one of those amendments that I don't believe has ever been litigated from uh, based on the information I have. But here we have a situation where, hey, we're going to pay you to house a migrant person. And it's a lot of money. It's like three to four times is what he's proposing what you would pay for a foster child in the home that foster parents uh, get paid. He's saying, well, hey, we're in, uh, people are short on cash. You need a little bit of moolah. Why don't we bring those in there? I mean, how, uh, how uh, close, no, how far away from me with a, uh, from this, from the old domino theory, where now they're that soon they'll be requiring people to house residents because there's a housing crisis. I don't know. Uh, I I know. I think we're going on treacherous ground here in the safety war, and that's for your own safety. You know who are these? A lot of these folks. Here we have another thing: syphilis cases at highest level for 75 years. In England last year, figures also show gonorrhea diagnosis rose by 50%, the biggest increase since records began in 1918. Well, I don't know. Maybe if you keep people locked up for a while, they come out and, uh, you know, you know, you know, that sort of thing might happen. You know, you, you start to go out there and, you know, you get, oh, you know. I don't know. It seems pretty uh, obvious to me, you know. <laughs> there we go. Sound effects. Some follow-up, right? We have a lot of comments on here because we have uh, presidential candidates, new presidential candidates out there. And there's a whole bunch of reasons why you want to run a, go run for president. One of them is to actually win. Hopefully you're trying to win. The second way is to uh, 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 spread a message, right? And the third thing is to, no, Operation Chaos, as one former radio talk show host, Rest in Peace, had called it, where we're going to just call it chaos. So Chris Christie... Uh, says right here, this is um, uh, some of his speech. And you now you have to have a little bit of a memory here of recent politics to know what it, where he's getting at. Speaking in front of a large American flag, Christie, age 60, made the announcement during a town hall at St. Anselm College in New Hampshire. New Hampshire. He promised some straight talk from New Jersey. Interesting choice of words there, Chris. Governor Christie. Uh, by the way, full disclosure, I met him several times when he was governor. Nice guy, by the way. Very polite. 
guy. He's the kind of guy that used to write thank you notes in school, apparently, and everything. He was good at writing thank you notes and had manners and everything uh, when he was growing up. And then what happened was, if you, uh, my, again, my opinion, no, not the station's opinion, my, and because I was involved in politics here, I, I had to give some commentary here. I'm, I'm compelled to. If it weren't for two things, the Tea Party in 2009, which, by the way, I was a part of, and which was taxed enough already. It started as a tax movement, and then it morphed into something else once uh, the political animals got involved with it, and then I wasn't involved with it. And the second one uh, was Chris Christie. If we recall, Chris Christie, a little bit of a heated temper. Uh, Him and Trump were like birds of a feather in a sort of way. Loud, bombastic at times, antagonistic, didn't take Guvno or Rohat, as they say in Romania, from anybody. Uh, and he went, and this is uh, what what he uh, what he ended up. Uh, how he got, he made he paved the way, right? And a lot of those people in two thousand nine, when I ran for assembly in New Jersey. We paved the way for a lot of people to pick uh, uh, candidates that were not necessarily mainstream candidates. And we all had pretty much the same message. We were taxed enough already. So here we have, getting back, we're going to circle around to Chris Christie now. Speaking in front of a large American flag, right? He says, some straight talk from New Jersey. When Trump was president, what's one of the, who was one of the people... Uh, that he had problems with. Let's think. Let's think, 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 think. Senator John McCain. Right? The war hero. Senator John McCain. Came from a long line of Navy people. Very, very high-end Navy people. Right? Where ships are named after them. That sort of thing. What was uh, John McCain's thing? Straight talk. He When he ran for president... And when he was backing candidates, he had the Straight Talk Express. So this was a little bit of a dig into President Trump. So I'm getting back and I'm getting at that microwave-buttered popcorn, or maybe I'll make regular popcorn without all those chemicals in it, and uh, sit back and watch here because I tell you what, I don't know how entertaining this is going to be or not with all these candidates here. This is going to be very interesting. I'm probably, no, I'm going to go out there on a limb. I'm going to contact some of these candidates, see if we can get them on the show. I don't know. They may do it. I'm going to see what's going to happen here. Uh, I think a couple, at least one of them will bite on here, especially the smaller campaigns. What do you think? Drop me a line, Jim at safetywars.com. See if we uh, what what we can do here. What's uh, if we can work that safety wars magic on them? Because I tell you what, we still got people talking about Lord Moncton. I you know I get contact, hey, Jimmy. I can't believe you got him on. I said, yeah, I got him on. But let's remember Alan Warford at the. Uh, 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 Diary of a Bald Man, who was on this network, got some pretty high-end, uh, recently some very high-end uh, uh, people here uh, 
on there. Now that I mention it, I got to look. Diary of a Bald Man, Alan Warford. Right, let's see. His podcast, let's who who did he have on recently? Uh dude, it was somebody. Um, he I I mean he had interviews from your diary of a bald man. I'm sorry, guys. Daniel Davison who was an Olympic uh, bronze medalist, right? He had on uh, Daniel Hughes, another uh, uh, Army medic, right, here. Uh, you know, he's had some pretty high-end people on here, uh, well-known in the safety industry and outside the safety industry. So I think, uh, you know, uh, we, uh, we have high-end people here all the time, especially with some of the A-list uh, podcasts. So maybe we'll go for that. Some follow-up here. We talked last night about uh, Dollar uh, General here. And wouldn't you know it, a late uh, this morning, there was another press release, and this was came out late yesterday on Dollar General, where they uh, had uh, uh, the same thing, same deal. More fines. More than $21 million in penalties. It's got to be over $22 million now at this point. I'd say that's $22 million. Here's another press release. U.S. Department of Labor invites businesses and workers to share best workplace safety and health practices. U.S. Department of Labor announced an upcoming listening session with business owners, employers, and workers to collect input on how organizations make health and safety a core value. This is going to be next week at uh, blah, 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 in person and online uh, at in Washington, D.C. You can check out the OSHA website. Uh, they have a whole uh, thing in here. What, no, what are your things with guiding principles? And uh, no, they're, they're looking. I, no, there's a good impression. Good thing. No, sharing knowledge is a good thing. That's what we try to do here. Federal workplace safety inspectors find Illinois contractor continues exposing roofing workers to deadly fall hazards despite previous violations. I'm not going to mention the name of the company, but it's $66,000 in additional penalties. This tells me this is likely uh, going to uh, be a small business just based on the penalties. Inspectors noted that the contractors failed to use ladders properly. And here, let's see. And they didn't pay their OSHA penalties before, which probably put them on the Wuvno list here. I still talk about when they released the whole accident report from one place here. It was great on here. And then they took it off about uh, three days later. Citation one, I, item one, employer did not initiate, this is a serious, and maintain accident prevention programs. So this is 1926.20B1. They had no safety plan or anything. They had nothing, nada. 36683. By the way, you give us a call, we could write you one. It's going to be less than $3,683, I can tell you that. Citation one, item two. Uh, serious. 
Uh, this is a fire extinguisher. Fire extinguisher was not provided within 50 feet of wherever more than five gallons of flammable or combustible liquids or five pounds of flammable gas are being used on the job site. So no fire extinguisher uh, around an air compressor that was being used. So it's $5,156. Now, I have to back up here with fire extinguishers. People say think they're going to go after the local store and buy a fire extinguisher. Has to be the correct one. Number one, uh, this is minimum 10 pounds. Usually most of the uh, jobs, uh, or 10B, right? Uh, usually, uh, no, V for class V, flammable or combustible liquids, right? And uh, usually it's AVC people buy, and they're 20, uh, 20 A, 5Bs, whatever it is. But they're the larger ones. Now, these have to be inspected. There's two types of inspections. An annual inspection, or maybe every other year, depending on the what where you fall into. But it's normally every year where you get a inspection by a state-licensed fire official, fire extinguisher inspector. Now, I know a couple of them that I've used. I'm taking the class. I've totally been taking the class again. Of, and getting the license. But my understanding, now I know CSPs who have taken this exam and failed it. It ain't an easy exam. One of the reasons is, especially, uh, you know, they don't want a million fire extinguisher inspectors out there. You're asking for a freaking problem. So what do they do? They make this exam very hard. And guess what? These people make a lot of money doing the fire extinguisher inspections. I don't know uh, with this. If you're at a facility, let's say an oil refinery where everybody loses the tags, this might be a good, this is like a cottage industry here. Citation one, item three. I mean, they're getting like $50 an extinguisher. Companies have 20 extinguishers. You know, uh, tried to do this with somebody. I tried to hire her. I said, look, I'll make the connections. You do the inspections. Give me a piece of the action. Didn't want to do it. Okay. I said, look, I'm dude, I'm insured. We can do this. <laughs> you know, oh no, no, no. We ain't doing. Okay. No, he, 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 I mean, he could have uh, bought a new car at the end of that job. And I mean, a nice car. We're not talking about a use Yugo from 1983 here. Uh, the employer did not provide training program for each employee who might be exposed to fall hazards. Again, we offer OSHA authorized user training here. 36 uh, for fall protection. Fine $3,600. Here we go. Another one. Item one, number four. Again, no ladder training. Ooh, that's usually included in the first kind of training. Now, here we come. Repeat. Serious violation, $7,300 and change. Uh, basically, no competent person making inspections or anything else. And remember, that has to be in writing somewhere. Citation to item two, type of violation, repeat serious, no eye or face protection. $14,733, that's a repeat violation. Citation to item three, guarding electric power circuits. Mm. Uh, probably on a roof, you have uh, uh, things that need to be insulated weren't insulated. Citation two, item three B, a re, another repeat series one, zero. 
uh, was an assessment as to if employees could contact any part of an energized circuit. And citation to item four, $10,000 and change here. Again, fall protection, six foot or higher. You need some type of fall protection. That does not necessarily mean harness, lanyard, and an anchorage point. There are other things that can go in there, like railings. Citation two, item five. Portable ladders not set up correctly. That is a $7,300 fine. And... Oh, citation three. Usually we don't get up to citation three. Other than serious. A ladder is not inspected. All right. Again, it has to be in writing. I'm doing that tomorrow for a client. Do, 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 do. So $77,000 in penalties for basically things that are easily remedied. I mean, I, I mean, I don't get it. I really don't get it. You, you could you go figure it out. Okay. EPA to host ethylene oxide virtual meeting in Henrico on June 20th at 6 p.m. This is in uh, Henrico County, Virginia, uh, to share information about the health risks of chemical ethylene oxide, or ETO. The community uh, meeting will take place virtually on June 20th at 6 p.m. During the meeting, EPA staff will discuss revised risk information related to sterilization services of Virginia Commercial Sterilizer Facility uh, located in Enrico, Virginia. So uh, that's good. Uh, The community has uh, concerns and they're having a meeting there so you can check it out. I'm reading off the EPA website here. EPA Region 7 presents a $2 million check to the city of Keokuk, Iowa. After selection for Brownfield's grant. So uh, there was a Brownfield site in, uh, El- uh, it's called the Elkham Carbide Brownfield site in Kyoka, Iowa, EPA Region 7. And they were presented with $2 million ceremonial check. I always wondered when I was little, they have these big checks and everything. I said, imagine going to the bank with one of those here. You know, I, I definitely can't get it through an ATM. The grant program is funded by the bipartisan infrastructure law. A lot of stuff going in there. So they're going to be uh, uh, cleaning up the site, apparently, and uh, is under continued remediation or something like that, uh, contaminated with polyaromatic, polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons. That's like your creosotes, things of that nature, uh, metals, and inorganic contaminants. Uh so that's without carbon. Grant funds will be used to support community outreach. And, you know, they're trying to... I've worked a lot of these brownfield sites. So the uh, conversation we had yesterday with... And I did release it on YouTube on Hazwaver ha, uh, uh, has training on 8-Hour Supervisor. And we did do the other one with Dollar Tree. So we made it simpler for you. It's all released here. Uh, they... Uh, and, you know, it was along the lines of, uh, uh, you know, those are brownfields. Now, the question is this. You need 40-hour training to, 40-hour has for training to work on a brownfield. Possibly. We can make that determination for you. So, uh, I'm going to take a drink here. We're going to go into uh, a uh, commercial break. 
In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with the Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with the Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with the Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. OSHA recordables, catastrophic losses, environmental disasters. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Pozel with Safety Wars. That's my daddy. Yes, I am your father. Okay, uh, some more EPA news. Biden and Harris administration invests $150 million in funding to responding to the drinking water emergency for in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, EPA funding is first awarded is first ordered of $600 million total secured by Biden Harris administration for Jackson's water system. Now, what would be nice if they could start with criminal convictions to the people who let this get this far out of hand? That would be, that would be great because guess what? You had people drinking freaking contaminated water, right? They're saying environmental justice thing. And yeah, yeah, it is. This is a part of environmental justice when people in government don't do what they're supposed to. And now we have people poisoned for years. They've been under a water emergency here, mainly for lead and some other stuff. I think Flint, Michigan, they give people a slap on the wrist. They get, you know, Shrek out there. Oh, not so, uh, that's what's such a bad thing to do. Don't do it again. Blah, blah, blah. That's my uh, daughter there. But uh, she gave me that for my birthday. But anyway, you know, it's like, come on, guys. Yes, for you listeners there, I was holding up a Shrek doll uh, for my daughter. But it's like, come on, guys. What are you doing? Really? Your charge was protecting the public. Protect the public. Now, this... Again, I'll give my commentary here, controversial as it is. The problem here is this. You have people with highly specialized information, right, that are involved in things. And that's just the way things have evolved in our country here. So, for no, I had a teacher in high school that used to laugh and joke about the left-hand specialist or the right-hand specialist. No, that's not a dirty connotation there. Right, people getting so specialized, and he saw it back in the eighties here, right, with things. And what we need, as what Joe Bast of the Heartland Institute, former president, told me, we need generalists, Jim. We need people who know about a whole wide range of things, running things in government and outside government. That's why I have the background I do in safety and in environmental policy and things of that nature. So we have a broad 
sense of what's going on. That's what the advantage of a policy analysis background is with this, uh, you know? And I, what happens is that, uh, okay, they're, I'm going to assume they're well-meaning people in this system here that were in charge of these water systems that failed. We'll assume that. What about, right? What about they knew, had no knowledge of what goes on down in the infrastructure and how things work? the whole systems analysis. I think that's where part of this problem is with all this stuff. You know, I, I don't know. It's just one of those things with, uh, with this. I mean, uh, at a certain level, I mean, I hope there was, if there hasn't been, there should be a, fe- a grand jury, even a federal grand jury to investigate all this stuff and start charging people uh, here. With this, I mean, we had our own situation in New Jersey, uh, where I'm from, Cliffwood Beach, in uh, uh, Cliffwood Beach in Cliffwood, New Jersey, where uh, and also Serville, where they dumped all of this uh, lead stuff from National Lead, which is now being uh, uh, remediated over by the Varrington River. Going, if you've ever been down the shore. In New Jersey, quote unquote, down the shore, you went over the Driscoll Bridges. If you came from North Jersey, and you know they backfilled all this land, and they took national lead was there. They backfilled all these beaches for the lead and waste. I remember them doing it in the seventies. As a young kid, one of my early memories because they were building jetties in Morgan, New Jersey, and they used all this lead contaminated waste. And they had a lot, that was like the first beach in the Jersey Shore, right? Morgan and Cliffwood Beach. And people would go down there swimming in lead. The uh, investigators found a letter from National Lead to Saraville and to Morgan and all those co- uh, communities down there don't use this stuff for backfill. What do they do? They got it. They use it for backfill. Nobody held responsible. Oh, oh, well, that evil national led. Okay, maybe they were liable. They had some. Okay, I get it. There's nobody's guilt-free here. But then no mention of what the county did and what what the people in charge of the beaches did over here. What they, you know, oh, well, we'll forget about it. No, sovereign immunity. Who cares? Sovereign immunity. With environmental issues, that's something that needs to uh, be got done away with, in my opinion. Some MSHA news. We don't do MSHA news here because they're, they're not, like, releasing press releases. So uh, this is like a... Uh, uh, PR release, I would call, from MSHA, which is good. We That's good. They're doing a PR release. So uh, the U.S. Department of Labor announced today, and this is from May 31st, uh, uh, that it's MSHA, Mine Safety and Health Administration, completed in- impact inspections at 20 mines in 15 states in April 2023 th- and found 330 violations. Uh, there were, uh, compared to this entire uh uh, year where they were 914 uh, violations identified since the first of this year from the agency. Uh, 
The agency opens impact inspections that lines that merit increased agency attention and enforcement due to poor compliance history, previous accidents, injuries and illnesses, and other compliance alerts. MSHA began using impact inspections after an April 2010 explosion in West Virginia at the Upper Big Branch Mine that killed 29 miners. So what did they find uh, here? Oh, oh, oh. Let's see. Do they give me a link? Yes. Hold on. Impact. Oh, they have a whole thing with inspection results here. And if this were at all readable. Right, and I'm not familiar with MSHA stuff, but basically. Oh, they have a nice little spreadsheet here uh, with us uh, naming the mine, the citations, and exactly what they are. So this is probably worth... Now, I was asked over the weekend, not this past weekend, but uh, Memorial Day weekend, if I did MSHA work. And no, I don't do MSHA work uh, with that. Uh, my my uh, understanding is, is that it's extremely lucrative. It should be. Okay, uh, the Epoch uh, Times, we, uh, that's one of our sources that we normally use. It's run by the Falun Gong people of China. Uh, new study links heart attacks with accelerated cognitive decline. Uh, well, yeah, you're getting less uh, blood flow, and yeah, that might have cognitive decline, I would think. Uh, a new study found that people... Uh, this is from John Hopkins Medicine from JAMA Neurology, uh, Journal of American Medical Association Neurology, examined the impact of a heart attack on overall cognitive function, memory, and brain skills known as executive functions, such as the ability to follow multi-step instructions and display self-control. Uh, they, uh, right, uh, six to 13 years of cognitive decline. Wow, accelerates it by six to 13 years. For researchers found that having a heart attack did not affect those three cognitive measures that they were doing that we just mentioned immediately following the event, rather it impacted long-term brain health. I think that the stress of having a heart problem would cause an impact on brain health. But what do I know? Here we go. CDC alert. Virus outbreak on cruise ship leaves over 150 passengers sick. U.S. Uh, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reported that more than 175 people were sick uh, with a norovirus uh, during a recent celebrity cruise summit cruise to Bermuda. Now, this is uh, what uh, I remember a number of years ago. We had uh, a, uh, a couple, and this is going way back, uh, from my old church that went on a cruise. I, I don't know what the cruise line was. And it was all over the news every day. Norovirus, norovirus. Nor and it was like more than this. It was like hundreds of people more than this came down with that. And we get in contact with them. Their daughter gets in contact with them. And they're like, oh, we didn't hear anything about it. Well, it's all over the news. It's on your ship. They said, we didn't hear about it. Okay. Very good there. All right. West Coast processing slows down following worker disruptions. This is going on on the West Coast now. Here, right? They got the writer's strike. 
Now the uh, uh, there are reports that the uh, uh, actors and actresses might go on strike. And I, I tell you what, usually I'm against strikes, but they have a freaking good point here, right? With this chat, a uh, chat, a, the artificial intelligence stuff here. I mean, it's scary, man. Uh, there's now it's going to, right. We know the digital cameras, especially with these things on the darn cell phones, uh, they'll have really negatively impacted photography work because now everybody could be a photographer. I, you know, I know one woman, she went out there and she took a couple of courses in photography with this stuff. Uh, I'll give her, her a plug, uh, compassionate Rose, uh, life coaching local uh, uh, person here. She, uh, and I tell you what, she went to that one day class about a winter and a half ago, a year and a half ago. Like two winters, sometimes once a winter, I don't know. I just said that. And I tell you what, she does one heck of a job with those pictures. You can't tell. Now they have AI out there from Abby Ferry, uh, right? Uh, it was uh, from the uh, Safety Justice League fame, right? She used to be one of the hosts. She uh, put up there a couple of photos of herself with AI that were enhanced with AI, and it did like phenomenal photos of her. Incredible, you know. Uh, and I saw some other things uh, on there. Incredible. So now the West Coast. Like we know, I, I guess if you recall during the pandemic, they had like fifty ships, ships, <laughs> oh, fifty ships, ships out there, and you know, uh, anchored off the coast, and one of them ruptured a pipeline, a big oil spill over there in, uh, in, by Santa Barbara, and uh, you know, now we, I, I thought we recovered here, but now, guess what? More contract issues. Now the dock workers are. Uh, Going on uh, uh, on a strike again. Uh, 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 well, I want to say again. And the last time I think was 2005. And uh, the main thing is wages. So uh, according to the ILWU, their union, right, uh, pointed out that their members, uh, uh, Right, uh, carriers and terminal offers made a historic $510 billion profit during the pandemic and uh, continues to post revenues that far exceed pre pandemic times by billions of dollars. And the union members risked their risk and lost their lives to ensure the grocery shelves were stocked and everything else is out there. And they want to raise, okay, probably again. With the way things are managed during the pandemic, which, by the way, people were out there for a number of years after the anthrax cleanups and the Ebola, Ebola situation and SARS and MERS and all these other things that came apart about and said, no, the pandemic flu, that pandemics that never came about until 2020, uh, you know, they were screaming about them for years. H1N1 flu and all this pointed out that, you know, we got to have a plan here. The government's not really set up to respond to this stuff and we're all ignored. Well, here's another more fallout from here. They mismanaged this, right? Uh, let's face it. This, no hindsight being 2020, this is mismanaged. 
and I can't really, you know, fault people for not being able to anticipate this stuff. Things are mismanaged. You know, this is hindsight being 2020. Okay, let's forgive and forget up to a certain point here. But now we have other issues here with supply chains coming again. Aye, aye, aye. Another one, toxic chemicals used to make plastics found in many over-the-counter medications. So, uh... Where is this coming from? The World Journal of Gastroenterology. There's a lot of stuff in, yeah, well, what's going in there? Hormone-disrupting chemicals? Uh, Phthalates? Endocrine disruptors? All in this stuff. And, uh, again, FDA is being uh, uh, blamed for this for uh, lack of stringent things. I don't know. Something to keep an eye on, I guess. I hate it when I have these things set up. And now, GOP lawmaker says FBI afraid their Biden informant will be killed if unmasked. Unmasked means exposed. Florida GOP representative Anna Paulina Luna uh, revealed on Monday evening that the FBI is afraid that an informant who brought the Bureau information regarding an alleged bribery screen scheme involving then-Vice President Joe Biden would be killed if unmasked. Just left the House oversight. The FBI afraid their informant will be killed if unmasked based on the info he has brought forward about the Biden family. A whistleblower who has reportedly re- provided Republicans with evidence alleging uh, Joe Biden, right, President Biden was... Uh, involved in uh, corrupt pay-for-play schemes as vice president, has been frequently used by the FBI since the Obama administration is deemed to be highly credible. As first reported uh, by news outlets, the individual has alleged that the former VP was involved in criminal bribery screen in a criminal bribery scheme with a foreign national and is an FBI confidential human source used by the Bureau in multiple investigative matters dating back to Barack Obama's two terms in office. Well, yeah, that, you know, way it is. So, uh, again, uh, we have the story here. Uh, Wildfire spark smoke darkens the skies and triggers air alerts in the Northeast. And companies that embrace social issues have second thoughts. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm hearing a lot of things with this from a lot of companies, a lot of clients that are like, are we maybe we went went too far because now people are no people were at each other's throats during the pandemic. Now they're more at each other's throats. What's your opinion on that? My opinion is is that we treat all people with respect. That's what it comes down to. I had a conversation with my son today that and my wife had a conversation with him also that there are people out there that are trying their best doing their best they have all different issues let's not add to their stress let's treat people with respect I try to say hello and good morning to pretty much everybody I see on the street in you know good morning hello good my mother taught me from a very early age. My mother was a uh, worked for Woodbridge Police in Woodbridge, New Jersey. She retired from them as a safety officer. 
And what's a safety officer? It was a highly trained uh, crossing guard, essentially, for major streets in town. So you would have the crossing guards, the way things are set up in Woodbridge, you would have a crossing guard paid by the Department of Education, the Board of Education, for small side streets, and the police department would train and uh, uh, safety officers, and they were on the police payroll. My mother was also a police matron for many years before they had uh, female police officers became common. They would have a police matron to process uh, uh to process uh, suspects, female suspects. And by the way, the whole transgender thing been around for a long time. Uh, big issue that my mother had to deal with a couple of times. Uh, but anyway, she said, look, as her, as a uh, safety officer, a school safety officer, the only positive interaction that many of these children had, and this is the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Uh, I believe she retired just after 9-11, uh, early 2000s. Some of the only positive conversations that these children have is with her. And there's usually two or three or four people, usually girls, sometimes boys, that had problems at home, had nobody to talk to about the problems at home. Very limited school resources. My mother, with her life experience, since I went through it on here, and having four boys, one with special needs, that's me, was able to talk with them. Years later, for years, People were contacting me on Facebook. People were calling her up. People, when she was still working, students, came, uh, people came with their students to get crossed by my mother. Said if it weren't for that positive attitude, if it weren't for you counseling me, I would have ended up in a much more bad place. The biggest one was, uh, my mother had pride, was where a girl came back. She was one of these girls that, like, disappeared. Like, you see her in high school, and all of a sudden, September comes. She's not there anymore. And what happened was she got into a little bit of trouble, and she went into a military academy and uh, a military school of some sort, a military setting, and she joined the Marines. And she came back when she was 19, and she had rank. She was, uh, and whatever it was, came in her dress uniform to salute my mother because of, of that. So you don't know what people are going through, and you have to have things. And this is along the lines with people who you may not agree with, people you work with, whether they're LGBTQ+, or any other situation, have respect. You're there at work to get a job done. Get it done efficiently. Get it done profitably for your company. If you have loyalty to your company, don't necessarily have to like everybody. You don't have to get, you know, you have to get a like that. I'll get along with them. It helps. But let's show respect. Let's show getting along with positive energy, things of that nature.
goes a lot long ways, a lot further. The other thing is this. There's a lot of hatred going on. A lot of hatred. If you're trying to get people to come to your side, doesn't matter what side of this issue you're on. Antagonizing them, name-calling them, getting into fights with them, having fists to cuffs, not, it does not do your side any good at all. Friendly debate, things of that nature is one thing. Going out after each other doesn't work. And I'm going to lament that, right? This will be buried in the uh, podcast. I'm sure someone will say, we'll come back. Well, Jim, blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah, whatever. Everyone's got to get along. Calm down. Peaceful. Get along. Russia and Yuka have respect for each other. See it from the other person's point of view. Don't be so hard. Be kinder. It's, being kind doesn't cost anything. So apparently uh, they're screaming ecocide in Ukraine. Famous quote uh, from a military leader. I'm not exactly sure who it was. I've heard it from several military leaders. What is the military's purpose? Military per, military's purpose is two things. To break things and kill people. So when, who would have ever thought that during a war, a dam, which is a strategic thing, would get hit? Who would have ever thought that? Well, it happened today in, uh, in the Ukraine. Russia and Ukraine trade blame for destruction of Kakova Dam and power plant. Now, I have a little bit of experience here because uh, the little dam that my, at the uh, uh, lake where my parents uh, owned a house uh, almost uh, was in danger of breaching because of lack of maintenance. And I tell you what, you want to talk about, uh, you know, you can go to jail if you're in charge of maintaining a dam and it doesn't get repaired in this country. Good chance that you're going to go to jail if it breaches. And this is just from a little dam. They were estimates on how much damage of that dam breached and then they drained the lake, this and that, and rebuilt it, and we all lived happily ever after. And here we have, I'm looking at this Karkova dam, the footage here. Wow. This is like a raging uh, river. Everything is getting flooded down below. Uh, thousands of people at risk, uh, uh, impacting the power for the whole uh, grid in that region. Big deal here. And, uh, no, and everyone's blaming each other here. Uh, again, a lot of, uh, I don't even know where that would begin. Here we have an indoor air quality problem. A woman sued to stop her neighbor from smoking marijuana. That's marijuana. And one, a D.C. judge has ruled a man who smokes medical marijuana in his apartment must stop after a neighbor complained that the odor from his marijuana crept into her home and caused a nuisance. Judge Ebony Scott ruled late Monday that while the uh, Josefa Hippolito Shepherd could not prove she is entitled to damages. She successfully made the case that the smell is in a is a private nuisance. And Scott ordered Thomas Crackett to Cackett to stop smoking. Scott said that Cackett is licensed to buy marijuana, but he does not possess a license to disrupt the full use and enjoyment of one's land. This is a whole property rights issue. Right? If the smell never left his hand, guess his uh, area, 
guess what? No problem. Now it left. Now you have a situation. My daughter asked me about that uh, over the weekend. Uh, when I pointed out a piece of land owned by the government that was like uh, not being used well and was basically uh, uh, horrible. I mean, no forestry down there or anything else. Uh, no modern farms. And I said, well, daddy, why is it like that? Well, an economic concept called lack of property rights leads to inefficient use. And there are no property rights. You have an inefficient use here. This is, and I explained what that meant. If you don't own it, you don't take care of it. Real short. And she got that. What makes me laugh is that two weeks ago, she asked me about how things are priced. And I explained to her how things are priced and went into some economic theory, supply and demand with her. And she was like, oh, 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 really, really? And it turned out, no, she's eight years old asking, and she had questions, intelligent questions. And I said, eight years old? Economics questions on macroeconomics, pretty darn good. You know, that's my daughter that is on the uh, little promo here. Here's another threat to our democracy here and to Western democracy in general and us in specific in the United States. This is uh, a report uh, by Chris Talgo from uh, the Heartland Institute. And as you recall, we uh, interviewed the president of the Heartland Institute here earlier this year. Uh, being uh, nation's report card, only 13% of eighth graders are proficient in U.S. history. Okay, so I had a professor when I took a class in college called Black Power, William Jaynes, professor emeritus from Richard Stockton University now. He's retired uh, I hope he's still alive because I tell you what, he had a lot of good ideas, a lot of, a lot to say. He said, the, if you want to take away a country and destroy a country, there are three things that you need to destroy. Number one is the language. Number two is the history. Number three is the religion. Those are the three things. And he also added a uh, fourth one in there, the family. And believe me, this guy was not a, Christian, religious, right, holy roller, he teaching a course called Black Power. So here we have, and he posed the question, and this was 1992, man was way ahead of his time, where, how does this impact us today? And I said, well, look at what we're doing in this country. In 1992, we had issues with language and things of that nature here. Is that the same thing being done in the United States? He said, well, that's a very good question. And again, those who are don't study history are damned to repeat it. And he, his context was what happened to the black family or the uh, no, when they came to this country, the African, as African slaves, uh, no, 99.9% of them, where everything was destroyed, everything was taken away from them. So here we have, a situation that, according to the National Assessment of Educational Progress, the nation's report card, 13% of 8th grade students earned a proficient score in U.S. history. That's taking away a history, generationally. Why aren't they using this? Why aren't they learning this? A lot of reasons why. When my father passed away last year, I have a lot to say tonight, right? I'm all amped up. 
we came across what I believe to be a draft of a history book he was working on in the 1950s. I have it here. I, uh, and it was all ha- about 34, 30 or 40 pages in handwritten notes. It's a treasure. History interests in him. My question is, with 13% of 8th grade students earning a proficient score in U.S. history, why aren't they interested in history? Why is that not important? I'm not going to blame the educators. Maybe some type of different way of going about things to make it history. Why is it important to know history? Right, Lord Acton's admonishment, those who don't know history are damned to repeat it. I believe it was Samuel Clemens, Mark Twain, who said it differently, that history doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. I'm learning as I get older how important it was, those history lessons that we learned, because what I'm finding out is that people are making the same mistakes, they're going down the same road again and again and again. And it's nice to have, right, a... uh, It's nice to have a uh, 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 history teacher, right? And, you know, what's our impression of history teachers? I got a prop for that. Hold on. This is the impression of history teachers, right? Of college ones, especially skull and bones type stuff. They're going to be talking to... No, this is not a human, real human skull. This is ceramic. And they're talking to it. And, uh, and you know, this could be your student at the end of it or end of the safety training. They're like a skull, right? Lasts that long. And they're talking to it sort of thing, right? And, you know, they look intelligent. And, uh, you know, this sort of thing. This is a parody, right, of what things are. History is not exciting for a lot of people for a lot of reasons. Maybe we need to change things up a little bit. Teach people why it's important. Because I tell you what, you don't learn history, you lose the country. You lose the culture. Okay, the prop didn't work, but at least I got it. Right? You weren't expecting that one. Uh, I guarantee it. So here we have one from Climate Realism. Bias new study claims Florida's strawberry scare as harvests set records. At the top of the day's climate search results, promoted by Google News, and this is a story from June 5th, yesterday, is an article by Axios claiming Florida's strawberry industry is threatened by climate change. The uh, article uncritically parrots talking points from a paper published by the activist group, the EDF, Environmental Defense Fund, that raises hundreds of millions of dollars each year promoting false climate scares. Okay, well, this is their view. A look at objective data shows strawberry production in Florida and nationwide set records almost every year as our planet mostly warms. I don't know. Could it be because of better farming techniques? I don't know. I like strawberries. I have them almost every day in very small amounts. Okay, we're going to start wrapping it up here.
what else do we have here? I don't really have anything else here as far as news. Uh, U.S. Army Corps of Engineers revokes the permit for Minnesota wine, states threat, threatened, threat to downstream tribes' waters. Um, there was a new-range copper nickel mine in northeastern Minnesota, popularly known as Polymet, said the permit did not comply with the water quality standards set by the sovereign downstream tribe. Remember, these tribes... That's their own nation. They run their own show with this. Uh, the permit does not ensure compliance with water quality requirements of the Fond du Lac Band of Lake Superior Chippewa. The tribe's reservation on the St. Louis River is downstream from the mine and processing plant near Babbitt and Hoyt Lakes. Okay, good. I mean, you know, they set their own thing. They're their own nation as they should set their own uh, 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 standards on that, right? Agenda spat at, and this is from the AP, at UN Climate Talks as top officials sees chance to ask difficult questions in Dubai. Nations resume talks on tackling global warming Monday with the aim of shaping a deal that might put the world on track to prevent dangerous increases in temperatures. As the UN Climate Top climate official called for deep cuts in fossil fuel use. Diplomats began two-week negotiations in Bonn, Germany, despite failing to agree on formal on a formal agenda because of differences on the topic of reducing greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, they're saying the issue lies at the heart of cli- of the climate problem, since burning oil, coal, gas, and gas is responsible for most warming that's occurred since pre-industrial times. Simon Steele, or Style, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, who heads the UN Climate Office, told the AP in an interview over the weekend that limiting global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius will require a phase out of fossil fuels, right? Now, uh, something many oil-producing countries have pushed back on. Uh, Okay, well, let's put it this way. We know that in the United States, the policy is to push fossil fuels until at least 2050, Number one, that's the uh, official thing uh, from the Biden administration, what the internal papers say that are made public, regardless of what they say on the surface, number one. Number two, how much is it going to cost for this 1.5 degree theoretical? And now we've had guests on here who have put out some information that this is a bunch of uh, rohat, as they say in uh, Romania, so, uh, here. So, uh, how much are we gonna, is this going to cost? Again, there has to be some rational cost-benefit analysis, and I don't think that's being done here, even if you agree with the, uh, with the uh, narrative that's being foisted on us uh, with this. And what else here? All right, that's all I have. Oh, here you go. Here's a f- one for you. Incompetence driverless cars are wreaking havoc on San Francisco. They ram-, ram through loose electrical wires and bring rush hour traffic to grinding to a halt. They tear through a crime scene caution tape and rear-end city buses. Sometimes they even astru- obstruct muni routes, routes. I don't know what a muni route is. Right? Inconveniencing hundreds of passengers who are simply trying to go home after a long day at work. What is the culprit? Driverless cars. 
This is an article from The Daily in the technology section by our Ariana Bindman of San Francisco Gate. So, uh, no, no, no. Driverless cars, which are quite common, have been touted as life-saving solutions by Cruz and Waymo, two local tech behemoths. But the rigorous training that these cars must undergo each day is still annoying and endangering. San Franciscans who don't sign up to become the multi-billion company's unpaid lab rats. In... 2022, the California Public Utilities Commission authorized crews to deploy 30 autonomous vehicles or AVs for passenger use throughout designated regions of San Francisco and said so the company could charge for those rides. Five months later, Waifu was authorized also. So apparently there's some problems. So now they added more cars going on and on. And they have a mind of their own. Oh, who would have thought? Right? Uh, I mean, some people say they're good and not bad. I don't know. What do you think? What's scary is, is that I'm flipping through this story here and I'm recognizing some of the landmarks here. And we got that. Dam collapse. Dam blowing up. This is from the dailymail.co.uk. Are we on the verge of vaccinating against cancer? Another promising shot treats two of the deadliest and fastest rising forms of this disease, an early study shows. And that's all I got for you folks. I hope you enjoyed the show tonight. We have a lot of information uh, here. And, uh, again, news and views, news and views. For Safety Wars, this is Jim Pozel. We're going to go, if you need health and safety consulting, give us a call at 845-269-5772 or contact me, jim at jim at safetywars.com. Listen to the show, like us, share us, whatever platform you're on, uh, wherever you see us on social media. For Safety Wars, this is Jim Pozel. Oh, sure. Oh, there we go. Safety Wars is streaming now. SafetyFM.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.